And then at, at 100 packs, it's 100% off. They're free. That's right. And then at 101 <laughs> packs, we start paying you to take yeah. them off our hands. Yeah. That's when it really gets economical for people. Welcome to the DSD Podcast, everyone. This is Brad Cochran with my co-host, Dave Smith. Good morning. How are you, partner? Uh, I'm doing great. It's nice to be back in, um, I would say, in the studio, but I'm actually just in my office here. Um, but uh, I guess first and, and foremost, we're back. We're going to be recording regular podcasts moving forward. The idea is that Episodes will be airing um, Friday mornings uh, on a weekly basis starting this coming Friday, which is the, let's see, the 12th of February. And uh, yeah, we're excited to be back. We're going to bring on some new guests and we're going to have a few more episodes about um, goose hunting topics. And then we're going to roll into turkey decoys on this particular one. We are going to talk about some new projects we have in the works, um, some goose projects and a, and a new uh, turkey product we're going to be introducing. Um, what I like uh, is the idea that, you know, like while we're recording this, it's Monday and, you know, everybody hates Mondays. But if you're listening to this, it's Friday. So somehow we've just magically transformed into Friday. So thank God it's Friday. And probably a big weekend ahead. It just doesn't feel like it right now. No doubt. But yeah, you're right. We we've been we're we're hard guys to get into a studio, and we are we're, we'd rather you know be hunting or making decoys than than talking. Um, so it it is kind of kind of nice to uh, you know finally pin us down and we'll we'll get get more. Um, consistent with this and do this once a week and it won't kill us. And it's fun. It's fun stuff to talk about. It's a, it's a fun business to be in for sure. Definitely. And, and I think one of the things that we maybe struggle with a little bit is topics and it's really helpful if we get um, customer participation from our listeners. If you guys have ideas, if you have questions, um, specific questions or just a topic in general, please let us know. Let us know. We want to know what, what you, you want to hear. Absolutely. And we want to be as transparent as possible. We want to be accessible. We want to answer your questions and, and answer them truthfully. And, and we, also, we also want to be the company that you want us to be. We want to make what you want us to make. And, uh, you know, just we want to be really open to any suggestions. And, and we take every one of them very seriously. And we weigh everything very carefully for sure. Yeah, and so on that um, on that line, um, one of the more recent requests we've been getting is for a Sandhill Crane decoy, yeah. and we're real interested to know, you know, what, yeah, how, how many people are there out there that are interested in a, a full body Sandhill Crane decoy? You know, we're on the the west coast here, and there's no there's no Sandhill season in the Pacific Flyway, so you know we don't really have any way of gauging exactly what kind of a market there is for a sandhill crane decoy but it does seem to be really picking up in popularity um you know down south i know texas oklahoma kansas i believe have seasons uh, saskatchewan's really popular place for sandhill crane hunting and, and it seems to be really taking off yeah and i would love to know you know what's what size of decoy people want um if do you want it you know, larger than life size or life size or even s slightly smaller than life size to make it um, more more you know so you can get get more decoys in a smaller space and what poses um, I went out and and spent a day out at Savi Island watching sandhill cranes and I was surprised at how few full uprights there were in a in a flock of you know relaxed sandhills so. You know, I, and I realize that as birds are approaching, sometimes more there will be more uprights. So that would that could be realistic in your decoys. But you know, let us let us know, you know, what what you would want in poses and what kind of interest there is, and any any other details like that. I'd love love to hear it. 
And, and then another thing is while we're at it, uh, you know, tell us about any, anything else that you're interested in. We're, you know, we've, I've kicked around the idea lately of making a dough, a dough decoy, a whitetail dough or, you know, mallard floaters or full bodies. There's, there's lots of stuff, but let us know what you want. Yeah, for sure. How about what I want? Um, you know, that's pretty much what we've been doing for 20 some years now, Brad. Perfect. (laughs) (laughs) Well, either what you, either what you want or what I want. So, and I, I think that, I think that's fair. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, um, (laughs) I'm going to officially request a spec decoy. I mean, a true full body spec decoy, not a lesser Canada painted as a spec, but a a true, a spec with a true spec anatomy on it. Now, if we could only find someone who is capable of doing that sculpture. I'm pretty sure I know somebody. (laughs) That, you know, that would be a really good one because specs are truly unique i mean they are really just i mean they're just nothing like a lesser canada and and well i wouldn't say they're nothing like a lesser canada but it just doesn't it wouldn't feel right to paint a lesser canada or a or a, a snow goose you know as a spec and really call it a a absolute you know designated spec decoy and so it would be kind of nice to to nail that anatomy and get every little subtle subtle thing about a spec into, into the shape and then give it a good paint job. And it could be, it could be pretty awesome. Yeah. And I mean, they, like you say, they, they're subtle differences, but they're still unique. And, um, you know, if, if we could bring a decoy that has those, those subtle differences into a true spec anatomy and at the same time, add some more poses rather than going out with like the same four, poses mixing a spread of lesser candidates and specs and you just have four poses and they're just painted differently you know maybe you have four poses of specs and four poses of of candidates i love lots of poses myself personally yeah absolutely and you know even on the back to the cranes a little bit when it comes to poses you know i i've thought about you know since there's so few sandhill crane decoys on the market uh it would probably be good to not make just the exact same poses that are already out there, make something different and knowing that people are probably going to mix, mix decoys at times and stuff like that. Then you, you know, it's, it's kind of a weird concept, but you could have, if one company made, you know, two, two or three poses of cranes uh, or anything else. And then we made two or three poses of cranes. And then if we did it right, there there would be, you know, four to six uh, different poses if you mixed them together. Not that we want anyone to buy anything other than DSTs, right? That's right. Right you are. <laughs> well, but we also, the reality is we you know, we have friends that make decoys and we have lots of friends and customers that, that buy other decoys. And you and I buy other brands of decoys. I mean, I just bought uh, final Appro- a bunch of Final Approach and, uh, and Green Hit Gear fully flocked mallards this fall. And I did too, but to be fair, we don't make a mallard decoy. Yeah, that's true. Yet, not that these aren't right. Not that the, not that those brands don't make good mallard decoys because they they do. But yeah. I think that there's room for improvement for sure. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Uh, even on mine, um, on my mallard decoys, my fully flocked mallard decoys, I, 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 I repainted every one of them. Not not a complete repaint, but I. I, I fixed what needed to be fixed and improved, improved them where they needed to be improved in, in my opinion. Yes, I, I agree. I, and I'm not sure, um, what the difficulty is in a fully flocked hen, but I've noticed in particular the color of the hens is just not right out of the box. They have like a greenish tint to them. Uh, It's hard to explain unless you actually have them out of the box and, in particular, when you have them on the water, that the, the color is just off on them. Yeah, for sure. Some some are better than others, but yeah, I think there must be a lot of difficulty. I mean, we might be being kind of critical. I th- I think there there could be some real difficulty in trying to dial the colors in on a fully flocked decoy. Yeah, very possible. Yeah, very speaking possible. of that, I just uh, I've. I've been experimenting with 
an alternative to flocking uh, that's pretty cool, but uh, there's no point in even talking about it right now. It's it's a long way. It's just one of the things that we're kind of trying to develop, and I've got to test the the durability and all that stuff. But it's and it's only it's only for like a, a Canada head. It's only in black, but it's uh, it's pretty cool. That's for sure. So so far, I mean, I got to test it some more. But anyways, that's for another. We'll talk about that later. See, that could be months or or years before that ever comes to fruition, if it if it ever does. I got to see a picture of that the other day, and it truly looks amazing. I mean, it's a <laughs> it's a head that's not flocked, but it looks like it's flocked. Yeah, yeah, pretty pretty crazy. Yeah, which is which is awesome because I don't think there's anybody out there who, um, who's excited about the durability of flocking. I mean, it just. Is what, flocking is one of those things that just wears over time. It doesn't really matter how well you take care of them. The better you take care of them, obviously, the more years you're going to get out of them. But inevitably, flocking comes off over time. Yeah, yeah, and then then it matters. It matters like crazy what's underneath that flocking. Like if you're using a, you know, some of the more more some of the more glossy adhesives actually stay open longer and and hold fibers better. And so they get used a lot, but then if the fibers come loose or break off, then what's underneath is is kind of a glossy adhesive. So that's another consideration. It's just not good. You just need that flocking to stay on. But in this case, what the first thing I thought about was like, you know, like stackable sleeper shells. That would be a good place to have a a really, really, really flat black head without flocking. You know. Yep. Yep. And so. Um... I'm glad that you bring that up. So just kind of transitioning into um, ideas for new projects. Let's roll into discussing some of the projects that are in the process um, right now of, um, you know, soon to be released products like the sleeper shell, the stackable sleeper shell is probably the next product that is going to hit the market as far as our goose decoys go we can come back to a new um, hen pose that, that we have coming up here soon. But um, what's the status on the sleeper shell, Dave? The, the sculpture is done and the paint, the paint schedule is done. And so we are, you know, that's, that's not a decoy that we can make ourselves. You know, you know that like it's, it has to be blow molded. We don't, we don't have any way of doing blow molding and there is um, <clears throat> there's not any blow molders in the United States that are willing to do it, that, that make paintable products. So unfortunately that has to be a product that's made in China. And, uh, but the good news is it can actually be made like, you know, that's why we haven't done it for so many years. So, um, so now we're, we're kind of waiting on, you know, getting a quote for that and, um, getting, you know, finding out the timeline and everything like that, but it seems to be rolling along and it's, it's in good hands and I'm super happy with the sculpture. Um, I mean, as happy as I can be, I guess, you know, it's like nothing's, nothing's perfect, but I, I put a lot of time and effort into it and I'm super happy with the way that it stacks. You know, we made prototypes and the prototypes are being, being tested and hunted over this season and it stacks really well. And, you know, Scott Trinan was a huge help on that. Just, you know, he's got so much experience and hunts in an area where they use those a lot, Minnesota. And, you know, even when it came to the paint job, I got to, I got to just, you know, I remember, you know, talking to Greg right before I did the paint job and I was like saying things like, okay, well, you know, in production, are they going to be able to do this? And I'm going to try to make the streamline system. And, you know, Greg, Greg just said, you know, Dave, just paint it, paint it the way you would, you would love it. Paint it like you're doing a competition fish. And, uh, I didn't paint it the color of a fish. I painted it the color of a, <laughs> of a Canada goose, but you know, I just put a, I just put as much time and effort into the paint job as I, as I wanted to. And so we'll see, you know, we'll see what they can come up with. And, but so far it looks, it's really impressive. I mean, you know, it's like in China, they have the ability to do all this stuff and do it really, really well. Um, but they just don't have many people requesting it. 
Um, usually the, the focus is on, you know, getting it done as cheap as possible and as quick as possible. And we just told them we just want a super high quality paint job and materials and all that stuff. So hopefully that one will be coming uh, soon. Hopefully by, by fall of this year. Yeah, the the factory um, we have been in communication with them on a regular basis here ever since we sent samples to them, and um, they are confident that uh, if we're happy with the quote that they're going to get us here very soon, that it's not out of the question that we could be receiving product as soon as September of 2021. So that's really cool. And then another project that we're working on. Um, that's actually about in the same, uh, it's about in the same situation time-wise as the honker floater. Do you think that, that there, there's a very good possibility that we'd have that by fall of this year? I think there's absolutely um, a great possibility. My only slight hesitation to say that it would be here at the same time as the sleeper shell is that we've never done a water keel before. And so uh, on a production basis, and so, you know, there may be a few more bugs to work out Yeah. in, in terms of the, you know, the keel. Um, but the factory we're working with has done floaters before. So, um, you know, things, things could go smooth. And Well, yeah. Plus, you know, another thing is, is we, we put a ton of time and effort into designing a keel and then sending them over just super, super detailed drawings of exactly what we want. And... My understanding is with a lot of companies is they kind of say, oh, yeah, it needs a keel, too, and, and kind of, you know, wing it. And uh, we, we didn't do that. And, you know, we wouldn't do that. We wouldn't feel comfortable doing that. But that might help the fact that we have a, a really, really detailed uh, drawings of a keel to go, to go with our, our floater. And hopefully that will speed things up, too. Sure. And it's certainly... Um a possibility that we could we could have it here by by September as well. In fact, the factory's telling us that it's possible. But um, I guess just to err on the side of caution, you know, because we've never done a floater decoy before, it's it's it is kind of a little bit of an unknown. Sure. Know, how the how the keel will go. So. And then if uh, if anybody's wondering too, the sizes or any of the details of these, the the sleeper shell obviously is just one pose. It's a pretty large decoy. Um, I would say it's the largest sleeper shell on the market, and it or will be the largest sleeper shell on the market. And it's it's kind of made off the pattern of our giant Canada, and so it's fairly tall, um, and will be fairly weighty. So hopefully it doesn't blow away and all that stuff. So it'll make a big presence, and it's, it goes along with the kind of the DSD idea of the you know you try to not have to buy as many decoys to get at the super effectiveness and on the floater pretty much the same thing built pretty much on the chassis of our giant so it's a it's a good size decoy it's wide and stable and it's a one-piece decoy um you know i sort of originally made it as a one piece and then we got to thinking about shipping that thing and fitting it in boxes and trying to get the shipping costs down and so i cut cut all the heads off and worked out the head to body junction. And then, you know, I was talking to a few people and they're like, Oh God, please don't make it a two piece decoy. Whatever you do, make it a one piece. So then I went on social media and kind of asked the question, like, which would, what would you prefer? And, and I told people, you know, keep in mind the shipping costs are probably going to be a little higher if it's a one piece decoy. And there was like, you know, 300 or so comments and I, I mean, I'd say like 290 of them were people saying, please make it a one piece decoy. So, you know, that everybody spoke loud and clear. I went back and glued all the heads on and detailed uh, the head, you know, the head to body junction. And so now there's three poses, basically, uh, you know, low, medium, high. And uh, they're, a, they're a one piece decoy. So that's where that's where we're at on that. And I might be stating the obvious here, but um, back to the sleeper shell, it's one piece also. It is a one piece stackable honker sleeper. 
Yeah, good. Just yeah. to be clear. Yep. So. And then you're anyways. right. There, there is actually some projects that we that have actually <laughs> been completed. Uh, and then the first of those is our is our snow goose, our juvenile snow geese, which look awesome. Well, by the way. thank you. And I mean, I, I'm so impressed with the paint job that they did there. I mean, I, I it was kind of the same thing on the on the paint job. You know, Greg once again, you know, kind of encouraged me to put as much time and effort into the paint job as I wanted to, and um, you know, there was just so many of them, uh, so many of them on the market, where they sort of just airbrushed, you know, some kind of dark brown um, and grays, and it that that's fine, and it de- definitely gets the point across that it looks like a juvenile. But you know, we were kind of thinking, well, let's let's push the envelope a little bit, and let's just do, you know, like 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 Greg had put it, like a competition, like you were going to do a competition fish painting. Let's do that on 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 any decoy and uh, send it over and see what they can do. And I just was, I was so impressed and so blown away um, with what they sent back the, the, the first, you know, pre-production run, they just did an absolute masterful job of, of recreating that paint job. And, you know, is it over the top? Is it too much? Is it super important? Uh, Maybe not, but there's some kind of patchwork on the back of a, of a juvenile that's pretty common and I know that, I know that those those birds, you know, are used to seeing that, and so you know, why not? Why not do a, a really accurate, really detailed paint job, whenever we can. I agree, and and having now seen um, a mixed spread with juveniles in there, it just it's kind of an eye opener, you know, having only hunted the last the last two years, over spreads of all white, DSD snows. Um, man, getting some juvies in there just, uh, it's just really, really an eye opener how, um, how more natural it looks. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you'll never see a flock of all adult snow geese. And so that's, you know, then your decoy spread looks like that. And so, you know, having some color in there and some, some kind of broken up patchwork and some darker colors and stuff like that. Um, to break that up, just there's more realism. And so why not? Sure. Yeah. And um, I think that, I think that you really went with a um, kind of a good combination of, um, of gray and white, you know, patches of, of both feathers, like a juvenile gets as it's, as it's molting into its adult plumage, which is obviously white, goes from gray to white. Um, uh, you know, looking at juvenile snow geese, some of them certainly are whiter than others, which are more of a, of a grayish hue overall. But, um, this paint job seems to be kind of right in the middle. And, um, I think, I think it looks really good, really accurate. Right on. Yeah. Some of us, some and you know some of those feathers will come in and be just perfect while while a feather right next to it won't you know hasn't yet and so you can't get that by just shading you know just like shading a little bit of brown you know it's like you you got to pick out individual feathers and have some you know some as in and mature and some as not you know yeah then i kind of really started paying attention in the last year to um the that that kind of randomness you know i kind of always assumed that juvenile snow geese early in the season were really gray and then as the season progresses by the springtime you know they're almost pure white and that's actually not necessarily the case um you know we killed some juvenile snows here just last week down in california and there were some that were very gray still. Yeah, you know, here clear at the tail end of the season. So, right on. Anyways, I think I think overall they they look really great. And um, in addition to the juvie snows, we're also really excited about some other improvements we've made to our snows as a whole. That's you know the new juvies, the adult snows, and the and the blue 
uh, the Blue Goose decoys. And that is, um, we made some really great improvements to the paint adhesion this year. Like, I'm pretty blown away how awesome the paint adhesion is um, just by making a few small changes. Yeah, that's, yeah, that was, that was important. And they, once again, just did a great job. And it's just a matter of just kind of stay, staying on them. And uh, they are, uh, um, pretty pretty amazing. Uh, I would say pretty darn close to uh, ace ace quality with you know with urethane paint. Like it's pretty dang good paint paint adhesion, and that's important because you know you don't want you don't want the brown um, or dark colors of a blue goose rubbing off onto your white snow geese and and vice versa. You know. Yeah, and and it's it's um, kind of the norm to throw decoys together into large seed sacks where there's a lot of friction generated, yep. you know, between decoys and it doesn't matter. We can tell people till we're black and blue in the face, um, not to do that. But I, <laughs> I've experienced it firsthand, you know, I mean, when you've got 300 decoys to pick up and you're tired and you just want to get the hell out of the field, you know, yeah. you don't always want to bag every single decoy in a vision. Yeah. So there, I, there's just I, no practical way to do that, you know? Yeah. In that case. Yeah. But with the paint adhesion on these new snows and blues, I will have no problem doing that. I'm not going to do it necessarily every time because there's other advantages to keeping your decoys bagged individually, most notably keeping them clean. Yep. Um, so, but I won't hesitate to, um, to occasionally go bagless. For sure. And so what's the status on... On those. So we have them on order right now, and our first container should be arriving by the end of the month here. It's February right now, or the first part of March. And with the the number of requests that we're getting right now, uh, the level of interest is just sky high right now for whatever reason. Um I think we're going to blow through that first container. Like as soon as we put it up for sale, I think it'll be sold out within 24 to 48 hours. Fortunately, we do have uh, a lot more decoys coming after that. Unfortunately, they probably won't be here until April or even May. Hmm. Okay. Well, better, better late than never. So I would say to the guy who's looking um, to get some decoys by this coming spring season, you better really be on top of things. Once we make the announcement that we're taking orders, you better order right away. Um, if, if you're a guy who's who's totally fine with waiting until uh, who doesn't need your decoys until fall, I still I still encourage you to order as soon as you know possible, sooner than later. Um, but the 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 amount of decoys we have coming in later in the springtime here is enough to where I don't think that there's going to be a dire need for people to rush in with their orders right away. That's good. Yeah, so that would that would be good. If there is somebody that doesn't need their decoys until, until fall, um, actually, in some cases, it might be nice for them to just wait, wait for the next shipment um, because there will be, you know, some people who desperately need them uh, on this first first shipment when it gets here. And, you know, even if guys wanted to order them right away and and tell us that, hey, I don't need these till fall, that would really benefit some of our other customers who are maybe sure. going to come in after them but want to use them in the spring hunt. Yeah, for sure. So how will how will people find out when when those become available or are available to order? Check our website okay. regularly. Um, we'll We'll update our website and... You know, I imagine we'll be making regular um, announcements on on social media too. And then, what about uh, prices? And so, so what's really really cool? Um, I'm I'm pretty pumped about it actually. Is um, that we're able to bring our price down um, fairly substantially for this year, and so really, um, and we were able to do that without you know, cutting any corners. In fact, I think actually the quality is better now in round two, the 2021 snows, we'll call them, um, versus our original snows. 
which I guess you would call the the 2019 snow since that's when we we got the order in. But um, backing up as to why we're able to bring the price point down on them is it's simple. It's, It's just a greater volume. We had no idea what to expect with our first with our first order in terms of demand. We had no idea that there would the snow goose decoys would be as popular as it turns out that they are. And so it was easy for us to just up our volume and get that cost down. And so what we've done is we've passed that cost savings on to our customers. And so now we have uh, brought the price point down on our snows from 369 to 299. And we're doing that that price point, $2.99 straight across the board. So it's our adult snows, our juvie snows, and our blues are all $2.99 now. Nice. And what about uh, what about poses and, and packs and all that? Yeah. And uh, real quick, before I forget, there are some quantity breaks there too. Um, it, it, I Don't quote me on this, but I believe at 10 packs, you get 10% off. Uh, once you hit 20 packs, you... you uh, max out your quantity discount at uh 20% off which would be 240. And then at at 100 packs it's 100% off, they're free. That's right. And then at 101 <laughs> packs we start paying you to take yeah. them off our hands. Yeah. That's when it really gets economical for people. Right. Yeah, that we're kidding. Um <laughs> Really? <laughs> yeah, just in case anyone knows. Okay, so uh, so poses and packs Okay, so uh, the poses and packs are as follows. Um, the combo snow pack is now three sentries and seven searching feeders. The adult feeder pack is still five searching feeders and five active feeders. Um, the combo pack for the juvies are the other two poses opposite the adult snows so the adult snows have the upright and the searching feeder the juvie snows have the strider and the active feeder so if you get the two uh combo packs you you still get all four of the poses sure and then uh with the blue goose decoys it's also um uh it's a strider with three striders i'm sorry and seven searching feeders in a 10 pack. Okay. Nice. So we changed things up a little bit, uh, in, in terms of the makeup of the packs. And part of that was so that we could get the volume up on each pose because the, the factory pricing is based not on the overall volume necessarily, but on the volume of each painted model. Sure. So, I guess in a, in a nutshell, we still offer all four of the poses. It's just that they're not all four in each pack. Yeah. But the, the, the really good news is um, that the price is substantially down. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, I love that. Um, well, why don't we talk about what's new for this coming spring turkey season? the new hen decoy we're coming out with, the posturing hen. Uh, Dave, why don't you tell us about this pose? Okay. Yeah, that was a, this was a really fun one. I'll tell you what, um, the inside scoop on this one, it's, it's kind of strange. Um, I did this sculpture. I, I, had, this, I had this vision, uh, and I did this sculpture, and I was you know, pretty happy with it. And we didn't, we didn't release it yet. We do that with a lot of things. Um, we start them a long time in advance. And then sometimes we have to test them or prototype them or different, different things like that. Um, we've never been one to just like bang out, a, bang out a pose or a product and then release it right away. So then in this case, then one of, a, one of the other decoy makers came out with <laughs> a decoy um, that looked an awful lot like it. And so I was like in this panic situation. I'm like, we can't, we can't, uh, we can't release this now because it'll look like we copied, we copied them. And, you know, and I know the guy who did the sculpture and he's, he's a great guy and he's talented guy. And, uh, you know, I have a ton of respect for him and I, I think he has a ton of respect for me, but you know, you never know. Um, so I kind of, I went back to the drawing board and I, I altered the pose to, to, 
there was there kind of like two versions of it that I that I really liked a lot, and I was kind of kicking between the two when I started it, uh, and so I kind of went I went to the I went to the other pose and cha- changed it up um, so that it doesn't look like we're copying anybody, and um, I actually as time went by and the more I you know started looking at pictures and references and stuff like that, the more I kind of liked like this version better and it kind of looks more like a DSD and it looks more like it goes along with the rest of our decoys. But basically the idea is, and it's just based on talking to a lot of people and filming a lot and watching birds um, and watching a lot of YouTube videos. The pose is, is a hen that is um, got, got some of her feathers kind of raised and ruffled up a little bit. The rump feathers are raised and ruffled, and the neck feathers are raised and ruffled, especially on the back of the neck, the nape of the neck. And the, the posture that she's in um, sort of exudes a lot of like confidence and like like she's, I would say maybe like confident and bossy. Not not I wouldn't say aggressive, um, but she's definitely is like a hen that looks like she is a. Uh, like she's really wanting to be the, you know, the, the, the one. And, um, the idea is that, that this pose in a lot of cases, like especially, uh, a new hen showing up in, in an area, the idea would be to excite a, a response from other hens. So she's, she's really not in you know, a design to be, uh, super, super attractive to, to gobblers, even though, you know, gobbler, any hen, will be attractive to a gobbler. She is really designed to bring in a big boss hen um, and be be one that shows up and is not in a pose that any other hen would be. So that if, if, they, if they can recognize each other, they will not see another hen that's in this pose um, and, and without, you know, really not belonging there. So the idea is that this one, what's that? Go ahead, Brad. Oh no! I was I was just I was just basically saying I from from what I understand what you're saying is that she's she's a hen that's trying to assert herself as like the alpha hen of the flock. Yeah, Ex- exactly. And you know, like uh, you know, I've had people tell me like, well, if you want to do that, you should just do a you know a full strut hen. And it's funny, like just um, just last season, I filmed a, a hen in full strut, and. She wasn't, you know, it's, it's, she wasn't that, you know, that wasn't really an aggressive um, or confident or, or bossy or assertive pose to me from, from what I saw. Like, so, um, so that's why this, this pose is not a hen in full strut. And that's maybe something that we would consider doing at some point, but we have to do a lot more research on that. But this one, instead of trying to show off, show off plumage or, or, or anything like that, you know, she's, she's looking pretty cocky and pretty confident and she'll be, she'll be recognized, uh, or she'll be unrecognizable is, is, is what I'm confident in, um, in a flock. So, so when another hen sees her, a boss hen sees her and she's in that pose, I, I really feel like she's going to come in and investigate. And that is what, that is what happened in the, in the testing and prototyping. Yeah, and it, going um, yeah, hunting over this decoy kind of goes hand in hand with some really aggressive calling too, and you're really calling to um, instigate the the hens in the flock. Like you're saying, it's more of a decoy that is uh, is gonna gonna have more attraction power with other hens. But for anybody who've um, experienced uh, an aggressive hen coming in. A lot of times, that's how you can draw those those hen up gobblers in. Is you actually have to call the hens in. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's times when they, it gets so tough that it's just it's just next to impossible, especially to to pull a tom away from hens. And so, I mean, and you know, it's the same thing happens with deer season. I mean, this this deer season for me, I I. I didn't have any bucks come in by themselves, but I had, I had several bucks come in following does. And it was just, just a reminder to me that if you can't get a buck to come in, 
if you can get a doe to come in, you, you've got it made. And that is the same with turkeys. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That I think kind of covers the posturing hen. It will be available. We're anticipating here toward the end of the month. Um, so the end of toward the end of February of 2021, we'll keep you posted. We'll make uh, an announcement on social media through Instagram and Facebook. Um, when we get closer to that time frame, and um, another thing that's new for 2021 lineup of turkey decoys is we're offering a custom flock now. So um, the flock used to be set in stone where we would offer a three-quarter stretch ache mating hen upright hen and feeding hen now you can actually order just through our website your own custom four pack of one gobbler and three hens and you can choose whichever four poses you want nice Uh, but it has to be one gobbler and three hens still and and you will you'll save money doing it that way over, you know, versus buying four decoys individually. You actually, there's a pretty, there's a pretty significant price savings there. And then you'll also save on shipping at the same time. So that's pretty cool. That's, that's something that's, that's new. Yeah. This year. We've never been organized enough to be able to do that in the past. That's great. Yeah. (laughs) And then, um, kind of another, uh, new thing that we've offered, but haven't talked about that, um, is a great addition to any, you know, Turkey Hunters Arsenal is the Zena ground blinds that we're yeah. offering now. You can get them through our website. They're three ninety nine. dollars um, They're not in stock at the moment, but they will ship um, by April 1st. And those are great. Those are a great blind. I, I love, I love my Zenic blinds. I, that, um, I, I, I killed two big blacktail bucks this last fall, both out of Zenek blinds, and they're just quiet. They're so durable. I mean, you just don't have to worry about uh, breaking breaking anything. The uh, the struts are super durable, and the, the hubs are super durable, and it's just a the window configurations. It's just unlimited, and I, actually, that one has a um, it's a there's two camo patterns. One of them is one that uh, that we kind of designed at DSD. And, um, and it's a, it's a cool, cool pattern, but there's two patterns available and that's just a, that's just a really good blind. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love my Zenic blinds too. Um, been using them for, I think this is the third season now and there are all kinds of features that I really like about them, but overall just the, the durability of the blind, they're really sturdy and, um, I love the fabric they use on their window. Yeah. Yeah, Um, for sure. It's kind of the, stretchy. Yes. Super stretchy and quiet. Yeah. So, and it, it seems like it, um, one of the issues that I've had with, with other blinds in the past is when they would get wet, they weren't breathable. Like this fabric that is on the Zenic blind is specifically on the window. Um, you know, the 180 window is what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I've had issues with other fabrics on other blinds, mildewing. You know, you hunt them, hunt them in the rain, and then collapse your your blind down and stuff it in your bag. And of course, if you're like me, it seems like half the time <laughs> I forget when I get home to air them out, and uh, next thing you know, you got mildew. Yeah, right on. Yeah, I like that. Uh, you can, you know, that's flexible material enough that you can you can enter and exit the blind through through the window if if you want to. Um, which is just a super quiet and easy way to get in and out. I mean, you can, I've done that with other blinds, but it's kind of hard, you know, kind of hard to fit. And with this one, you can really, you can really open, open that up and step in and uh, it, that makes it pretty handy and pretty quiet. Yeah. And it's very quiet because of how soft that material is and flexible. Yeah. Like, like you say, it's not, it's not stiff and rigid. For sure. So, and then another product that we offer um, by drop shipment is the Strutton 360, um, which is a, a motorized uh, motion system that works on all of our turkey models, with the exception of the mating hen. Um, but basically, any of our turkey models that have a motion tube in them, 
any any one of them that receives a stake, uh, this this product, this Strutton 360, will will move on, and it's operated by a remote control. Um, super easy to use. Unfortunately, here in Oregon, motorized decoys are not legal, so um, I don't have a whole lot of experience using one. But I have talked to many, many customers who have used them and are very happy. In fact, I can't think of one person who had anything bad to say about their thr- their Strutton 360. Yeah, so I've heard lots of people super reliable, and then you know, it just the motion looks great. It looks really, really good. Yeah, so so that's another item that you can order through our website at davesmithdecoys.com. Uh, they get drop shipped from Alabama, and so you'll typically receive them in. Uh, the guys have been getting them in about two to five business days. Nice. So, yeah. Um, so I guess other than that, uh, yeah, you got any good stories to tell from this season, Dave? <laughs> uh, I don't. I don't talk about what I do in the in the in the fall anymore. Um, but uh, well, I mean, I I I did have some. I had some pretty epic duck hunts. Um, I'm kind of probably doing more duck duck hunting than goose hunting now just because of you know our goose situation has changed changed so much i mean i would say this last weekend was pretty pretty epic and great weather perfect conditions for 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 goose hunting and was really good um but probably my my highlights were i you know i had some some really good duck hunts of just you know all all drake mallards with 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 good guys and i i've been working on i found a poke boat maxi on Craigslist, I've been looking for one for years. They they hardly ever come up. That's the uh, that's an all Kevlar kayak, but the Maxi is really really wide. It's wide and low. It's all it's just it's not quite like a pumpkin seed, but for a kayak, it's really wide and it, it weighs twenty six pounds. Um, and it's a it's an eleven and a half foot boat that weighs twenty six pounds. So I I put that together and I camoed it and I put. Um, I put a blind from um, At- Atbar, the uh, Aquapod Aquapod company. They make a their Aquahide blind, and I I retrofit it to that boat so that it has blind doors, and I grassed it up and everything. And it's just really really stable. It's really really lightweight, and uh, I barely got to use it um, at the, towards the end of the season. But I have big plans for that because I can get it into places where I just couldn't quite carry, uh, you know, a heavier boat. So I'm kind of, kind of excited about that. Oh, that's cool. And how much freeboard does it have on it? I'm going to guess it's about 17 inches or so. Yeah. 17 inches. And then it has a, it does have a splash guard around the cockpit and that adds, you know, almost probably another two inches above that. Yeah. So it can take a little chop. Oh yeah. Yeah. It can, it's, it's pretty amazing how, how seaworthy it is and it can take some chop for sure. So it's not an ultra low profile boat. It's not like a layout boat or anything like that. But, um, the, the main thing I can, in some cases I probably won't, won't even hunt out of the boat. Um, but I sure certainly can. Um, if, but the main thing is just being able to, yeah, get in, get into places you could carry it up and over railroad tracks or, or if you have to haul it across, you know, sand at low tide or whatever it is, it, this this boat can do it. Oh, that's really cool. How about you? What's what's your uh, what's your what's your favorite epic memory from this from this last fall? Oh man, I went on a snow goose hunt in Montana that was insane. Ugh. Montana, uh, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah, so um, it was it was toward the tail end of the migration through Montana. You know, obviously Montana gets pretty cold, and so um, you know by by Thanksgiving the snow geese are are pretty well gone. Um, but this was about the second second or third week of uh, November. It was right after Veterans Day, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, we man we. We set up on a barley field. Uh, it's kind of it was up on a plateau, and um, the roost was down below us and just out of sight. And there was a rolling hillside between us and the in the roost. Perfect. And these these birds would they'd get up, and I mean you could hear them calling, you know, as they're getting closer. And then all of a sudden they were just there, 
you know, as they broke, they broke over the field, they were just right there. And well, I mean, I, when I say they're right there, they're still a quarter mile away from us, but, um, it was, it was just kind of neat to hear them for several minutes. And then all of a sudden, boom, they're there. Yeah. And we had three massive grinds do it just, just absolutely right into the decoys. I'm talking birds finishing right in the decoys by the thousands. And, um, you know, we shot 120 birds in about 30 minutes. It was, it was insanely good. Yeah. That sounds like a blast. So, but I've been hunting geese all season. Um, that's certainly one of the more memorable hunts, but, um, oh, I've had some great cackler hunts and illusion hunts and speck hunts. Jeez. Last week down in California, um, with the white brothers, or I guess it would be two weeks ago now. Um, we had one day that was just insane um, for decoying specs. We had birds belly up in the decoys, 20, 25 yards, just just all day. It was like nonstop. Um, you know, shot our 60 specs, and I, there's no doubt we could have shot 60 more. They, they were just they were decoying that well. Oh, that's awesome. That's that's a that's fun as a rare thing with specs. You know, they seem like they're kind of they're kind of hard to decoy sometimes. Yeah, they certainly can be. Um, and those guys are such incredible callers. I mean, yeah, they are. I, I, it's it kind of embarrassing. You know, I want to become a better spec caller, but it's it's also kind of nice to be able to just have my hands on my gun and not worry <laughs> about calling. And yeah. just let them, you know, take take over. The White Brothers um, and Mike Callian, great great spec callers, and the White Brothers are great snow callers. But Mike Callian can call anything. But I'd say the same about the the White Brothers for sure. Yeah, oh, definitely. They're all really talented guys on a call, um, for for sure. But yeah, I mean, those guys get so much, you know, they get so much practice on specs and snows and and Roskies down there, you know. And you know as well as I do, um, learning how to control a call, you know, the back pressure and air presentation and everything is one thing, and getting the sounds right. But learning how to read the birds, yeah, you know that's really the big, big difference, right? And you there. can't you can't learn that from a YouTube video or from practicing, uh, no. and not not practicing in your house. Like you just gotta, you just have to have a lot of a lot of hours hunting. And specs read differently than snows and yeah, and Canadas and you know little Canadas are different than big Canadas. I mean, it's just, um, geese are really cool because they're so diverse. You know, that's one of the things I really enjoy about geese and and um, and hunting down in California. I love because, um, you know, they, they have such a, a wide variety of different birds, you know, I'm just yeah. down there last or two weeks ago now. And, you know, I mean, we killed snows and Ross and in specks and a few blues in Aleutians, you know, and there were honkers down there. We didn't go after them because, well... I don't really particularly care for cleaning them myself. Um, yeah. But uh, no, I mean, don't get me wrong. Honkers are an awful lot of fun to hunt, but you know, we can, we can kill honkers up here. Yeah, um, for sure. But you know, the, the snows and specks are a real treat down there. And so, yep. Anyhow. So yeah. And, um, I've had some, some good duck hunts too. Um, actually I got, got drawn for one of the refuges that I grew up hunting uh, here it's getting tougher and tougher to draw there because it's becoming so popular. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, it's funny in all the years now, my, my father and I have been applying at that refuge for, uh, 27, 28 years now. And in all those years, the best pick either one of us has ever gotten is a number three pick. Well, this year we, we got a number one pick and a number two pick. And they were for the same day. Wow. I mean, That's pretty crazy. Yeah, I mean, just to each get drawn in the same year anymore is pretty incredible in itself. But then for us to both get drawn on the same day is even more remarkable. And then for us to get the number one and number two pick on the same day, <laughs> and the odds of that, I, I have no idea, but um, not common. I don't think many people do that and the unfortunate thing is i mean 
the number two was a total waste of a pick yeah. because obviously we're going to take the, you know, number one, or I guess it wouldn't matter if we took the number one because we had them both, but, and, you know, yeah, it's like he used, used up your luck and it would have been nice to get, get those even two days apart, you know? Yeah. But, but absolutely. yeah, that's a, I, that's a, I've, I've drawn a number one pick on that refuge before about four or five years ago. And, and that's, that's the only time that's the only time I've ever even drawn a top, a top five. And then I got to hunt there this year, um, with a, on an invite with a guy who drew a number one pick. And, um, both of those times that, that I hunted there on number one picks, it was just, you know, lights out really, really good and stuff. But, you know, if you look at the numbers, it's never, it's never a guarantee, even a number one pick sometimes, you know, that sometimes it just doesn't shoot well. Um, so I, you know, you gotta be thankful when you, when you do get a, to get a good, a number one pick and it's not, even then it's be thankful that if you got, you know, got a, a good day when, when birds are, birds are around, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And yep, you can't control the weather and that's obviously a huge factor. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, cool. That sounds, that sounds awesome. That, yeah, it was a good fall. I was super thankful for my for my deer season. It was just lights out and just super super lucky and and we're just loving, you know, eating venison and sharing it with my family and all that stuff too. And that that was really that was really good and uh so that, you know, that kind of makes me want to go make a doe decoy. So, that's something to keep in mind, something to remind myself of too. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. So many, so many things to do. And so, <laughs> so little, so little time, right? <laughs> yeah. If we only could replicate you. I don't think anyone would want to do that, but yeah. Well, no, I mean, we, we would keep your clones caged up and in a dungeon. Well, that would be, okay, perfect. Well, what I was thinking is like, I could be out, you know, goose hunting and stuff like that while, while the clone of me was back home sculpting and, yeah perfect yeah for sure all right for cool sure. but we need more than one clone i mean we would need at least three or four or five yeah that's true because yeah then the other one could be like doing all the family duties and all that stuff <laughs> and, you know they're working on my taxes <laughs> and then yeah so that sounds great right, let's get on that yeah and then the only other thing we need is a time machine yeah, that's true. If we could go back about how many years would you like to go back and hunt this valley for, for geese and net collars? Oh my god. If I could go back to like ninety geez, ninety-five, maybe even yeah. Maybe even yep. like early nineties, few years earlier than that. Huh. Yeah. Have have all the knowledge that you have now and the decoys, and then don't tell a yeah. soul what you're doing. Like oh my god. Don't let anybody follow us around or figure us out. Like, I think the check stations was a kind of really, really hosed us because you show up at a check station, you've got neck colored birds and everybody sees what you're, what you're driving. And next thing you know, they're following you around, you know? Yeah. I could never get away from that, unfortunately, because, um, yeah. Um, in the, the counties where I hunted one County in particular, the, the check station was was near a major refuge, and so you had a lot of hunters coming through there. Yeah, and um, and yeah, they would see they would see what you what you're killing, and they can see what you're driving. One of the things I'm really thankful for is um, one of the places where I killed a lot of net collars was a pretty remote area, and the check station was right next to um, it was right at a, a public hunt place where you come in and draw draw for a blind to go goose hunting. And I've never in my life hunted at that, at that hunt area. I had no desire to whatsoever. And, um, but the check station had to stay open until six and that public hunt area closed at four. So no matter what happened, if I, if I shot my birds and was done by nine o'clock, which, you know, that almost never happened, but you know, um, basically no matter what, I would make sure that I checked in my birds after four o'clock. Like, and usually it was between five and six and that way all those people would be gone. 
And I, I rarely ever saw anyone at the check station. And that, that worked out really good. That's how I was able to keep that hunting good for about six years. Six seasons was really good before that got blown up. But I'm pretty thankful for, for that, for sure. Yeah. That was the Durka Durkistan refuge? Yep, exactly. That was in Durka Durkistan, of course. <laughs> <laughs> so, mm. well, shall we wrap it up? I think so. I think we covered everything. Yeah. Well, thanks for joining us. Um, once again, if you have any ideas for us for new projects or you have new topics in mind for future podcasts or you have any questions you just like to ask us please do let us know um we'd love to get your feedback and until next time um thanks for joining us i'm brad cochran and my co-host dave smith everybody uh be safe out there and good luck with your late season goose hunts and your upcoming spring turkey hunting Well, thanks for listening to this episode of DSD Hunting Podcast. Um, we really appreciate you helping us grow this podcast. Subscribe on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts, or even just share on social media. Uh, that goes a long ways. We'd love the chance to keep bringing fresh content. So if you don't already, follow us, Dave Smith Decoys, on Instagram and Facebook for updates on new episodes. We'll have opportunities for customers to get involved too with the conversation and ask questions. So keep an eye out every Friday for new episodes. And thank you so much for all your support and for listening to us.